welcome back to another week of the Real Talk Business Podcast with yours truly, Rachel Brinke. And I am joined with another female powerhouse that I have been following for a bit on the internet. This is where I love to go out and find people that may not be necessarily the mainstream names that you see all over and recommended, but they are probably the most important that you need to learn from because entrepreneurs, just like you and me, we are out here in the real world doing the real things and now here to share the real talk about it. So Whitney, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I am thrilled because a lot of what you're doing is, I mean, I'm in legal and business strategy. You're in marketing and a couple other things we'll talk about, but I feel like we are very much on the same wavelength with a lot of people also listening, uh, multi-passions, want to have different revenue streams. And so I think you have a lot for our audience today to learn about um, the different things that you've done. I want to start from the very beginning. Like, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Did you grow up in a family like that? Did you always know or were you just kind of thrust into it? Yeah, I actually grew up in a family like that. I was raised by a single father um, and we have a family business that is not obviously the sexiest business, but it's a very, very old standing business. It's about 77 years old. And um, it's all in the automotive retail space. So growing up, I saw my dad really working as hard as he could um, to give us a life that we wanted. And then also to just seeing his amount of dedication and, you know, passion that he had for giving his family a good life. It definitely, it definitely instilled in me a hard work ethic, but Um, also this kind of desire to build a life of my dreams. And so when it came down to it, after having my first couple jobs, it really felt like entrepreneurship was kind of calling my name. And, uh, from there is kind of the rest is history. (laughs) So what was your first entrepreneurial pursuit that you jumped into? Oh my gosh. My first one. Um, so hold on. You just said, oh my gosh. So that means there's been multiple. And I love this. I love this. I'm totally like, you, you know, what's you funny is that I don't think anyone's ever asked me that if I'm being completely honest, um, very long time ago, I, well, let me just back up. I, I think I started like kind of blogging and building out different blogs when I was in college. I've worked since I was like 15, 16. I was, you know, I've always had multiple jobs. I've always had multiple internships. I've always just kind of dabbled in a bunch of different things. And I really love the creative aspect of like working and also just kind of that freedom of being able to make my own money. But I was always really creative as a kid. I used to love writing short stories. I was very imaginative. Um, and I think like the, really the first one was a blog. And then I actually took on like kind of a loose partner and we were going to create this blog and start basically just reviewing products. Um, it wasn't really a fit for her. So I just kind of kept going with it. And I mean, eventually that kind of led into me learning how to build websites, which took me to building my first website for my agency and so on and so forth. So uh, sorry, that took me off guard because no one's ever asked me that. I'm like, wait, I have to like think back now. <laughs> no, so I love starting at the very beginning because I there's a big space that a lot of people don't talk about the evolution in your business, right? Yeah. Many times we get into this idea that we have to choose uh, our passion, right? We have to yeah. choose what we're going to do and we can't change it. We can't grow it. And actually last week I had interviewed, um, 
and a guest who his mom, who was part of Beachbody, she was a, mm-hmm. um, a fitness trainer. Now they work together and doing social media stuff. That was kind of his big emphasis was to go for a small win. And my mind was almost blown. I've been doing this for almost two decades. And I was thinking, I never really thought about the smallest win from the beginning. I was very much like you. Yeah. Uh, not smallest. I mean, the quickest win. Right. I was very much like you of, okay, what am I interested in? And what are the skills that I'm acquiring at the time? Because my first was actually, oh, it's horrible. It still exists. Um, <laughs> graphic design. I am not at all a designer, <laughs> creative. Look at my house. It's like all monochromatic. But it's what I had at the time. I had a laptop for school and I was dealing with cancer treatments and I was able to use a free program, create designs and stick it on a T-shirt. And now that I look back, it kind of was one of those quick wins in the sense that it gave me the money to help reinvest into business. And you kind of did the similar with the website and learning how to do it. And now that has completely like quick trajectory um, Mm -hmm. into doing all the marketing stuff that you're offering. Oh yeah. And it's funny too. There's like, it, it was actually really hilarious. We were doing this one website build out for a restaurant client. It was so random. And like our team, like we were basically all trying to figure this thing out I'm like, like, what's the problem? And they were like, well, just like jump on. Like, do you know Squarespace? And I was like, I think so. Like, it's been like, I don't know, like four or five years. And I jumped on, I was able to fix it. And they're like, how did you do that? And I was like, I have no idea. I was like, I think that was literally like my college brain, like coming back into play and like trying to remember like how to basic code some design into stuff. But I, I love that. So what did you do after the blogging with the products? I mean, was that financially fruitful or did you move on because it was no, no, it was like, it was so basic. It was like, you know, I think at that time we, I'm from San Diego and the big blogger in San Diego was Lauren Everett's Bostic. So everyone really like that was kind of like our, you know, that was like our, our hero in San Diego for the marketing and creator world. And, um, I loved her blog and I was like, you know what? Like we could be doing this. Like I know brands that would like send us stuff and you know, we, we could review it. Um, and it just, I mean, again, it was just started with like a girlfriend. So it really never took off. But from there I was also working in a hospitality group. So let me back up. I started with Red Bull. Um, and I got a lot of social media and marketing experience, really hands-on great experience. Like if anyone wants to really go into an inclusive, really like just gives you so much experience. I would say, go take the Red Bull internship. It's absolutely incredible. It teaches you everything from basic sales knowledge to events, to how to work with athletes, to how to basically develop and work on 360 degree marketing campaigns that are not only touching your bull ring, but touching the entire territory of Red Bull, which is huge. Um, And so it taught me a lot at a super early age. At that time, it was also the rise of Instagram. So Facebook was already kind of established. Instagram was new to market. And what we were doing at Red Bull is we were really like, basically, they're like, just post about everything that your Instagram and your Facebook and get the cool kids on your college campus to just start taking photos of Red Bull and bring them to the athlete branded events and like, just make it kind of fun and start promoting it. And so we started doing that and we started really under like learning how these, these, the social media was helping the uptick of awareness and eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we would do this one time and then all of a sudden we get seven kids asking, Hey, when's the next Red Bull event? Can I come? Can I help you? Can I be a part of it? So I started learning from a really early age that social media was really powerful. And I started kind of growing mm-hmm. my own community as well in college. 
And then from there, I went and I worked at Aviator Nation for like a hot second. And then I went over to a hospitality group. And the hospitality group basically managed and oversaw restaurants, bars, and hotels. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was basically kind of their workhorse. I was managing 15 different properties, all from a social media, digital ads, influencer, and just overall seeing digital marketing projects. And that was where it was really interesting because I remember having conversations with like Marriott and Hilton and being like, we need to develop like an Instagram presence. And they're like, absolutely not. This, like, why would we even bother? Like, what? Like, we don't need to be doing this. And same thing with also the like at the, back then they'd call it the travel bloggers. But same thing with the influencer community. And it was really interesting to be like now that I look back in hindsight at that time because it was it was there and it was beginning to happen. But so many people were afraid to invest in it from a marketing standpoint because it was so new. Mm-hmm. And I was like cutting my teeth on the newness of the experience. So I'm really grateful for all of that. And I was at that time, I left the hospitality group when I was 22. Um, They graciously gave me my first five clients to manage uh, for my agency started. Basically I was like freelancing. And then from there, I just grew the agency and started hiring and it became what it is today. But it was, um, it was really interesting to just continue to ride that wave of social media marketing, especially in the digital space and being able to see everything that's grown and what it's come to now. I love that you were able to influence Marriott and them. And I chuckled when you said that because I'm a Marriott person. I travel a lot yeah. in business. And I always think that I see their advertisements with their hashtag and uh-huh. post on Instagram now. And I'm thinking, now I know the person that inspired all of this <laughs> and told you guys to do that. It's just I funny. Mean, I don't know if I was the first, but I was definitely the one knocking on all the owner's doors being like, you have to do this. And some of them were like, you're crazy. Like, No. That's funny. Well, you know, as having this conversation now, people are probably thinking, why would that be a hard sell to major corporations for marketing? Like it makes sense, common sense. We have to consider at the time, Facebook was very much, this was even, oh, maybe Facebook was just getting their advertising going where you could pay for paid advertising. Yes, it was a couple of years before Instagram came around, but it was a very different perspective. I mean, even if you log on to Facebook and Instagram now, they're two completely different approaches. Um, I mean, just look at the, even though they're the same company, uh, but the content itself and something that came up while you were talking, which is one of the things that actually drew me to you was in how you use of the social media marketing and it's creating of the community and like the fun you were talking about with Red Bull and less talking about like the product specs of what my marketing agency can do mm-hmm. for you, you know, very mechanical. It's you're doing the connection. And I think that is what these big companies needed to get on board with of seeing what creating the connection and the solution. I mean, like Mar- Marriott's current campaign is something about escape and adventure and it's travel. Mm-hmm. And so they're not selling me the king bed, you know, with the fluffy pillows. They're selling me the escape, the adventure, where I'm going to go yeah. to. And I think that's a key piece that's missing. In the, and, and I raise my hand. I am I'm a lawyer brain. So I'm very mechanical. And it's very easy for me just to say, okay, my product is five pages and it includes A, B, and C and completely gloss over exactly everything you just outlined, like that showcasing that whole other world, which really is why people are attracted to Instagram marketing in the way they are. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think again, we lose as brands, we lose touch of social media because we're so goal oriented or we have this idea of what we want it to look like. And 
the best thing to remember about there's two things that like I always tell my clients to remember about social media is number one, social media was never purpose for brands. So mm-hmm. immediately it was never purpose to sell you something. Now we're seeing a change in that, right? Like with the, all the changes mm-hmm. and the consumer shopping journey and things like that getting really, really more personal. But back then it was all, it was literally created for friends and family to connect. The other thing too, that we also have to remember as a brand standpoint is you know, why do people care and why are people going to continuously show up for your brand page? I think we see naturally in the social media and marketing landscape, especially on social media, it's harder to build a community around a product or around a service. And the reason why is because, again, yes, do you have intrinsic value? Absolutely. Is there incredible, you know, again, value in what you're doing 1000%, but you have to start thinking like a consumer in the sense of why is someone going to take the action to follow you and then show up to your page every single day and watch your content? You have Mm -hmm. to put yourself back in the shoes of why do people care? Why do they care about you? Even though you're very biased in your brand, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always convert that way. Well, and and I'm like jumping to ask you questions because this is something that I struggle with. Um, Again, it's the lawyer brains, the very like business brain side of things. Uh, How do you keep yourself and your team at the agency and even managing with your clients when you go to create a piece of content or you review it? How do you make sure you stay in that consumer mindset, consumer journey aspect in order to have, because it's hard, right? We're biased for our own stuff. And so we forget that we, and at least for me, I always have to remind myself, the key thing I start with is let's act like this consumer has never heard of me or doesn't know a single stitch about me. And I kind of build from there. Do you have something similar that you guys use in your processes? Yeah. I mean, I think number one, the biggest thing with social media is that it's an ever-changing landscape, right? So we're we're constantly seeing new trends. We're constantly seeing new case studies. We're seeing new brands every single day. Like, I mean, everyone's just pushing the envelope nowadays to be that brand, to be the one that's constantly thinking out of the box. And for our team, we implement a couple different strategies. Number one, we always do this thing called fr- First Friday Brainstorm. So every first Friday of the month, we go through the entire month of what's happening, if there's any holidays any trends. And then also we let the teams that we let the team cohesively brainstorm together on ideas for what content they're going to be creating or what their social is going to look like. Now, the second Mm -hmm. part of that is to, and you know, it's hard because a lot of times, you know, they're working off deadlines, they're working off, you know, monthly KPIs and goals that I'm setting for them. So sometimes we have to also flip that on its head and be like, Again, what is what's the fun content? What is the actual mm-hmm. consumer pool here? Are we checking all the boxes? You know, if we're representing our brands, you know, are we getting the edu- you know education right? We're getting the testimonial mm-hmm. right, the messaging. But also, again, why are people showing up? What is the incentive? Is it humor? Is it a freebie? Is it a giveaway? Is it part? Is it a partnered collab? And we have mm-hmm. to kind of shift that and put it on its head in a way, because that's, what's going to help move the needle. It's not so much, you know, I think there's also this, there's, there's this misconception, misconception in social where it's like, you have to show up every day. You have to be consistent. You have to create a lot of content. And yes, that's like a third of the pie, but the rest of the pie is understanding your consumer and it's understanding too how you're showing up with that value and how you're making it interesting so that they don't want to look away. 
They want to keep coming back to you because again, what are you providing? Is it again, is it, if you have a product, is it the education on the product? If it's a service, is it the value? You know, are, are you educating your consumer? Are you reinforcing your consumer? What, what does that look like for them? So for our team, I mean, it's definitely interesting. And there's definitely months too, where it's like, you know, I'll have girls be like, I have, I have no, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's like, okay, well, like now you have to flip this and like kind of re-strategize and like look at what areas can we lean into for the brand that's going to make sense. So part of what I was thinking as you were talking is I've been in this business so long that what you just said to me sound actually sounds almost freeing, right? Mm -hmm. It's in my mind, I'm like, I can set down the KPIs, I can set down everything else and just think about really, if I was that consumer, what would I pick up my phone to consume? What would I want to see? But then I was thinking about those that are listening, right? They're just getting their legs under themselves on social media because you just said a bit ago that the platforms and social is changing. So how do we, you and I as leaders in this and for people listening and watching, <laughs> you know, how can we reassure them um, or maybe give them a tangible plan of action? I, I just, I hear a lot of times in uh, consulting, they're like, I'll get my legs under me. I'll figure out Instagram. Then bam, the algorithm changes. Like, mm -hmm. ah, how do I keep up? How can we reassure them or encourage them to maybe stay ahead of these changes? Yeah. I mean, I think you got to go back to the basics of community building. I mean, your algorithms are always going to change. There's always going to be an inflection of views. And I would say, take a lot of that with a grain of salt. I think we saw, we really saw a peek behind the curtain when Instagram entered, like, entered reels and just the insane amount of views that everyone was capitalizing on to now the drop off of views and the way that it's now kind of reorganizing and resituating itself. I think the algorithm conversation should not be your first priority. I think number one, your first priority is need to be building up your consumer retention. So again, when I say consumer, like maybe I should switch that word to audience, you know, so who's following mm -hmm. you? How are you engaging them? And then what ways are you keeping them engaged and keeping them retained for whether you're selling your service or your product, right? Or if you're a creator, you know, your content. So going back to that, look at your why. Look at why and how you're showing up. Look at why and how people are coming to you. And also like investigate that. Like ask mm -hmm. your consumers or your audience, why, why you know, why are you coming here? Is it because I post awesome Amazon links? Is it because I talk about, you know, legal advice? Is it because I have this really insane product? Is it because I'm inspiring you? Like, why are you coming to my page? Mm -hmm. Get very clear on that why. And then also get very clear on the content that you're wanting to be creating and marry the two in a sense where now it's, it's intentional content it's not just this machine of content that you're pumping out because you're trying to stay up with TikTok trends. It's very intentional. Your consumer is going to look for it and receive it well. And also you're going to build up a longer lasting community so that when the algorithm does do its roller coaster, you're not too concerned about it because even if you have like a hundred followers that are constantly showing up for you, that's better than 20,000 followers that are here nor there. No, agreed. I'm laughing because I'm laughing at myself because my own journey kind of went that route. Is I, when I first got on social, it was like you said, it was very friends and family. So it was even before we had Facebook ads. That's how long I've been around, right? Mm -hmm. I, even before Facebook was around. So 
But it was very much you put out content in a different way. You put out an engaging way. And so I was sharing pictures about because I was having babies at the time, all babies and motherhood. And even though I had absolutely nothing to do with business strategy and legal stuff, that's what people were coming for. But then they were staying for everything else, all the legal and sexy stuff. They were picking that up there. But I had my own shift during the years where I said, okay, I thought to myself, and I now as you were talking, I think I was just kind of mirroring where social was leading, how we're shifting to where it's very consumer and business focused. And I moved from a less engaging, upfront, snarky (laughs) person to very more of a mechanical, here's my product, here's why you should be legal. And I've always had a flair of personality, but it was nothing like it was in the beginning. And within the last few months, I was like, I got to revive this social bit, right? We've been working so hard on the back end of our email list, which is great. Email to me, I think is number one. If I had to pick one thing out of everything, my email list. But I was like, we got to do something with social. And I decided to, as my team says, go unhinged. I decided to be unfiltered. And I have more views now than I did in the very beginning. And we were able to take extremely dead uh, page. And now we have over a million views in the last three weeks. That's awesome. Girl, I shocked myself with it. But I was like, I'm going to commit to just being snarky me and mm-hmm. real talk and tell people and get in people's face about my life, what I'm going through and also what they need in their business. Mm-hmm. It's been phenomenal. Anyways, yeah. I share that as it's for me, at least in entrepreneurship, it's easy to listen to these podcasts. And like you were just saying the why. And I think a lot of people would gloss over this section. And I wanted to share my story with that to show how important it is to start from the very beginning. My wife in the very beginning was to serve and engage and connect. The financial aspect was just great for it to follow. And I kind of lost that why in that middle bit that I just talked about where I went a bit more corporate Mm -hmm. and the audience saw it and they laughed. I mean, I've had loyal (laughs) people that came back around, but it dropped off, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think going again, back to that why purpose, right? Like what you just said is what people are looking for. They want to know, they want to know that they want to see behind the curtain. They will also too, with social media feeling like everything is so fake nowadays. You know, I hate when people, I hate that, you know, being authentic has been so overused in the social media, you know, conversation. But I also think that there's, there's some, there's some truth in that where people are really Mm -hmm. wanting to see behind the curtain. They're really wanting to see the real you. And that's, interesting and it's connection. And so anytime you can lean into that, I would say, go for it. Well, agreed. Even when I was researching a bit more into you, when I saw you were on the schedule, the post that I noticed I was gravitating towards was you did one about uh, you and your boyfriend, what it's like to date another entrepreneur, things like that. Whereas there's plenty of marketing gold in your whole Instagram feed, but those were the things. And I went, oh, snap. I like, I fell into the consumer pattern. That's what I want to see. But there was a second one quick behind that, which I absolutely love. Let's switch and talk a bit about your, it's a relatively new venture. Do you want to share a bit about kind of the coffee and I'll let you make the announcement of what you had just shared on social about it? Yeah. So yeah. So I started during, let's see, I launched in October of 2021. We launched a hemp infused instant coffee. From there, we're actually expanding the brand to be more of an instant wellness beverage. So basically what we want to do is make these really convenient on the go stick packs that 
make your day a little bit easier. So we use, um, we basically use a hemp CBD with our instant coffee. And that's because when I went through my own mental health journey, I struggled with having panic attacks and jitters and all the ugly things that come from drinking a morning cup of coffee when you have severe anxiety. And um, yeah, it's been really exciting. We just launched into Urban. We're so, so thankful and so excited to be in Urban Outfitters, which is so awesome. Hopefully more to come there. And um, it's been it's been really interesting and really challenging, but honestly, so beautiful moving from managing and running a marketing agency to going into a product-based business. And that was going to be my question. Like, what was the learning curve like? What made you go that route? Was it just like an idea and you were excited? And you're like, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> um, no, there's actually a whole story behind it, honestly. So during the pandemic, I kind of touched on, I came from this hospitality space when I first started my agency. So a lot of what I was doing was bars, restaurants, hotels. Um, during the pandemic, we lost about 75% of business, like total. And we decided during 2020, well, let's pivot direct to consumer. Let's go into CPG. These seem like to be like, these are like the brands that are thriving and let's educate ourselves since we have all this downtime. And from that point, I basically came upon Get Super and I had the opportunity to acquire the company. And so I did. Um, during that time too, there's like three, there's like major core things happening. So the agency is like struggling. There's like no business. This, you know, coffee company comes up for sale that, you know, is playing into something that I personally deal with. Mm -hmm. And I had officially just been diagnosed that I had severe anxiety disorder and depression, which runs in our family. So mm -hmm. I was making a lot of lifestyle changes and I had already been putting CBD drops in my coffee every morning. And I basically discovered kind of get super. The owner was really wanting to make a shift. Um, and so I bought the company, I reformulated it. And then basically me and my team were like, this is going to be our case study into the CPG world. And we launched it and it was a massive, awesome launch. And honestly, it brought in more business for the agency just by doing that okay. than what we were currently doing. Cause it was an, it was honestly a true and tried case study yeah. of what we could do. And especially when, you know, I think, I think the interesting thing too, is like when you have the CEO of an agency behind a brand that's giving mm -hmm. her team free reign to go make this awesome, make it look fucking epic. And like, sorry, excuse me, make it look epic. No, we're good with it. We're good here. <laughs> make it look epic and, you know, go balls out. And like, we're learning as we go. They, they did it. And I think a lot of, a lot of founders, a lot of CPG brands felt more, had more trust and had more reliability in our agency by us doing that because it was more or less of like our own blood and guts in this brand instead of them, instead of these brands coming to the marketing agency, feeling like they're just going to get a retainer, they're going to get taken advantage of, and then they're yeah, going to have to move on and it's going to be a turnover. So yeah. yeah. So Get Super was started. And again, it, it goes a lot into my personal journey, my personal story. And I really truly do love it. I drink it every day. It's great for honestly anxiety, but it also helps with, you know, I drink it when I have period cramps. I drink it when I'm hungover. Me and my girlfriends drink it as espresso martinis. It's fabulous. <laughs> I love that. So you tried to sneak something in there, which now that I think about it, we could have made the entire episode about 
you paraphrased, I'll have to go back, but uh-huh. you said, since no money was coming in, and most mm-hmm. entrepreneurs would be like, everything slammed shut, it was the worst, and I thought we were going to fail. Did you have those feelings oh, at the yeah. time? Or were you just like, no, pivot? No, I mean, you're talking about glossing over. I, yeah, I think, honestly, you know, I had bootstrapped Echis Marketing since I was 22. So not taking a paycheck writing out really hard financial times, having a lot of turnover client-wise, having a lot of clients not being able to pay the contracts or pause. Like I had gone through so much of that at such a young age and I was super naive. I'd never worked in a marketing agency. I didn't know how to retain clients. I didn't know how to set up strong boundaries. Like mm-hmm. I was learning as I was going. So when the pandemic happened, I really truly was like, okay, well, this is probably the end of the agency. Like it's taken so much out of me and it's just, you know, I'm finally getting this like almost sacred pause that like COVID was bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And so I started exploring and leaning into like what interests me. And again, during that time, my mental health was in like this crisis mode. So working on Get Super and having this creative outlet and going through this new education of what does production look like? How do I design this? How do I create, you know, and really investigate what the CBG landscape looks like was really interesting. So yeah, was I in crisis over the agency as well? Absolutely. It was one of the worst times ever, but I also had kind of this like shining, shiny object that I was also kind of turning my attention toward. And I it was kind of moving us through this phase. And also during that time, like we were like, you know what? We were designing it super. I'm like, why aren't we doing graphic design and product development for brands? So we started doing that. During that time, I was like designing press kit boxes and influencer boxes. And I'm like, why aren't we doing that? So a lot of these new things start coming through the agency as we were building it, where it was opening us up for new business and opening us up for new case studies. And so we did a lot of things during COVID and we did a lot more, honestly, investing back into the agency from us learning and from us having so much downtime that it, it basically, we doubled our revenue in 2021. We doubled our revenue this year that it just, it compounded just by taking that break and really kind of exploring Mm -hmm. what interests us. I love that. I feel like you could go out and speak on the exact topic of why it's important to have, do a pivot because how much you'll even learn and grow about the original thing that you're doing. Because I've seen the same thing in my business. When I wanted to add something on, back this morning, I sat down to do one quick thing and then I was going to go run. And all of a sudden, my brain's going to all across all the businesses. All Of course, my team is like running around like chickens with their heads cut off right now because I had to-do lists like a mile long within like 15 minutes. But it is incredible how adding on something new. So I love that you had that experience because I have as well. When you're working on a new project, whether it's within your business or like you, you have services versus product, um, how it can all, you know, rejuvenize and kind of, um, I don't know, with a restart the the brain juices for the original thing that you were already doing. Yeah. And like, obviously, like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like when you, when you're in that position of like pivoting, everything feels incredibly unstable. Like, I, I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at another huge pivot right now with everyone talking about the recession. Like we're not, we're not dumb. We know marketing agencies are the first one to get cut. We know marketing budgets are dwindling as we speak, yeah. um, you know, and we're seeing a lot of changes happening right now. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned is if you can't, 
if you can't be flexible, if you can't be an early adopter, if you can't have honest, transparent conversations with your consumer and your client of where you're at and what you're doing, you won't be able to be successful. And I think, again, like going back to this COVID moment, we had this insane, insane, insane pilot program that we did for Pinterest. And Pinterest, you know, most people don't really like kind of what's Pinterest. Why are you on Pinterest for social media? But we took a skincare brand. We did organic social. We basically slashed our prices. We're like, just let us test on you. Like they're a really mm-hmm. old client. They they had a lot of trust in us. And they're like, yeah, let's like, whatever. We don't know what Pinterest is. Let's do it. You know, we're not. <laughs> YOLO gonna, with the money. Let's do it. Yeah. It's like most getting <laughs> off our back. Right. I'm like, cool. So we did it and it was super successful. And then we're like, hey, can we do ads? And like, the only thing you got to do is pay for the ad spend. And we're going to do this for three months. You're going to, we're going to invest in ourselves. We're not going to charge you, but we want to learn this first out, you know, firsthand. You're like, yeah, go for it. It turned out to be one of our most successful services to date. And it makes, basically has scaled this business in one vertical just on its own, just in sales revenue. And it's one of those things too, where it's like, if you as an entrepreneur, and obviously I'm talking in like more service space, but as an entrepreneur, if you cannot be flexible, if you cannot take in stride what's going around, going on around you in an environment that's out of your control and be able to shift and move, even if it's painful, even if it feels like you're failing, you will ultimately fail. Like you have to be on your feet. You have to find that flexibleness. You have to find that pivot because ultimately it might like, for example, it might crumble and die. Like we, we actually tried a couple different. <laughs> we actually I thought tried. you were going to move into like a whole inspo talk and you're like, it could crumble and die. Well, but that's how you learn, right? Like we've done, yeah. oh my God, like we've done so many random services that, that just were like, why did I even do that? Like, why did I even touch that? And it didn't work out. But then there's those ones that do. And it creates this whole nother level for you. And then it puts you on top even more and it keeps you going. So like, it's, it's all a game, but you can't hold on to certain things, especially when, again, there's, there's forces outside of your control. It's all about taking those and running with it. And it's like, yeah, it's scary as shit. Like I was having panic attacks and losing sleep. And like, I think I slept maybe five hours during the whole year of 2020, but like (laughs) most of us did. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, like it's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to let go. You got to surrender and you got to move forward. And even if it's absolutely terrifying, that's the only way to go. And you're going to, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. And you kind of have to grit and bear it and move forward. Cause you know that, you know, down the line, you're going to be like, well, I, I already did that one time. I'm not going to do it again. Or I know how this works for me, or I know what does yeah. and doesn't work. So yeah. I think for me, you know, it, it, we, COVID was a big impact for everyone. I mean, we could spend all day talking about that, but I have seen positive stuff come out of it for entrepreneurs, forced mm-hmm. to pivot, people leaving careers. They're finally thrust into creating their business, things like that. And I actually was just thinking as you were talking, I almost feel like being forced into having to do these pivots is a better lesson than if everything, your trajectory, your growth is just fine and you're trucking along. Because I look back on that story I shared a bit ago about me. Mm-hmm. I think I got complacent. I think mm-hmm. I got complacent that I had reached a financial and engagement level that I was okay kind of withdrawing and not sticking to what was simplistic, tried and true, the why, all these things that people talk about on podcasts all across the world, but often get glossed over. 
but they're talked about because they are so important. But I can I can see when there's been times that I have gotten complacent and I had my own situations in 2020 outside of COVID as well that really had forced me to take a really strong look. And it was almost... I didn't have to scrap everything in business and start over, but mentally I did. Mm -hmm. And my whole perspective has changed and I'm still a work in progress on that. Uh, But, you know, we can't we can't sit here and be like, yes, give me a crisis. So I'm forced to figure it out. We don't want that either. But if you're someone sitting there watching and you're like, well, I've never had one of those forced moments, maybe consider maybe are you complacent where you're at? Maybe Mm -hmm. do you need to take an intentional pivot and a change right now? Uh, which can be scary in its own way if you because you feel like the machine's working. Why would we want to upset the, you know, upset it now? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Winnie, this has been wonderful. I want to hear what do you have coming down the pipeline now, if anything, and also how everyone listening and watching can reach out to you because marketing services, as an aside, I if any of you have the financial ability and time to hire a marketing agency to assist you, it's one of the best baptism by fire ways to figure out a lot of the things that we just talked about here. You have a really good team. They'll walk you through it. They'll show you the proof. They'll do the testing. That's one area that I feel like should be at the top of list of where you outsource, hire, and really stay involved with. But anyways, so back to what you guys are doing at Ecos Marketing. What's on the what's on the horizon? Yeah, we're actually we're actually going to be testing out a couple of new services. One of the things we're talking about is obviously pivoting, and the reason why is because we're seeing a really true need for in house marketing or yeah in house marketing teams for brands to be able to stand on their own and stand on their own right. And so we have a lot of proprietary systems and best practices that we've built over the years. Um, So one of the things we're going to do is we're actually going to start helping train internal teams and brands um, and basically kind of be a liaison for their management and their systems and then be able to kind of help cut their team loose so that they have all the tips, tricks, and needs in order to run successful marketing campaigns. Um, And then the second is that um, basically we're going to be... I can't really talk about it right now because I haven't quite finalized it just yet. But basically, there will be something that will be really, really interesting in terms of consulting, um, where it's very high level, it's very strategic, and it really Mm -hmm. helps bring brands and entrepreneurs to the forefront of their brands, as well as help them look at their marketing and their overall trajectory from a bird's eye view versus being inside kind of the trenches of the business. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, that's great. I'm going to put all of your stuff into how everyone can find you in the show notes. I want you guys, if nothing else, maybe you're in a position you're like, I can't financially afford Whitney and her amazing team right now. At least go follow on social. I mean, I tell you, I don't bring anyone on the podcast who I haven't followed for a bit, who I don't believe in the things that they're teaching. I mean, a lot of what we talked about here, we kind of married each other in different ways. It wasn't prepped. It's simply because this is truly what I believe that you guys need to look at, emulate, and take inspiration from in your business. As always, we will also have a thread specific to this episode in the Facebook group. So make sure you get into the Real Biz Talk podcast Facebook group there. I know Facebook, ugh, a lot of people don't want to be on it. Us old fogies, we love it, enjoy it. And the community there is great. Um, the conversations always really turn into a really good learning opportunity. So if you're someone right now that is a little financially sensitive on investing in your business, free resource. We have that there. We have the podcast. We have new episodes coming out. We are rounding out 
out 2022 and 2023 is on the horizon. So I'll be doing a lot more individual episodes as well, just kind of to guide you guys into goal setting, what you can do for the new year. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and I will see you guys next time.